Many of you, I'm sure, are familiar with the quote, um, the unexamined life is not worth living. Have you heard that before? Did you know that Socrates made that statement when he was on trial for heresy? And that the sentence for heresy was death, but in that particular system, there was the option for him to suggest alternative punishment. If he had been willing to do that, he might have been exiled or imprisoned for life. But to him, life would not be worth living if he did either of those things because he would not have the opportunity to uh, question the things around him and have discussions about it. And so instead of offering alternative suggestions for his sentencing, he said to Athens that they needed to thank him for his service to society and pretty well ensured by painting them into a corner that he would be killed. He believed that the right to evaluate one's own life what's around you and what's inside of you are the things that made life worth living. We have the good fortune of living in a place where we can do those things if we want to. And we may meet with some resistance, but we still have the right to do it. The funny thing about the difference between Socrates, well, it's not funny, but between Socrates and what I see now is that people work now so hard to avoid having time to sit with the quiet and examine ourselves. We do whatever we can to stay busy and fill the spaces and just are positive there is more we need to do or find out about. And turning that light of examination on ourselves is the most difficult thing to do. Sometimes it takes a great deal of courage to look at ourselves to challenge ideas we may have held for a long time or as long as we can remember, and to examine our lives and make, as our responsive reading said, a study of them. But it's in coming to terms somehow with our weaknesses or some of the things that we might prefer to call idiosyncrasies, and some of them are, um, but but looking at the things about us that make our peaceful interactions with others difficult and finding ways to forgive others difficult. Um, 
creating that space, making that study of our own character is demanding. It's a discipline and it has to be intentional. During the recent round of cottage meetings that were hosted by the visioning team, several times I heard people suggest that they see us as a congregation of people that walk the walk, you know, that do what we say we believe, and not just, you know, as the rest of the cliche goes, talk the talk. Um, But that made me think of a couple of challenges for this particular faith tradition. One thing that occurred to me was that if we keep things abstract enough, what is there that anybody can hold us accountable for? It's very convenient. I mean, we can have these lofty ideals, but there's no way that anybody could say we're not doing that. So are we holding ourselves to the same standard? Just in... That was one question. And the next challenge was that Unitarian Universalism and each of our individual spiritual paths in this tradition are particularly hard to articulate if we want to be clear about them. If we don't take the time to learn how to do that, are we kind of painting ourselves an out? We're a lot more adept, at least historically, at saying what we don't believe than we are at very clearly identifying what it is that is our belief. And if I speak for me, I certainly can't speak for you. No wonder the public stays confused about who we are and, and what we believe. They see us doing. We are out there being involved and trying to help people and participating in organizations that, and systems in ways that we believe can make positive change. But people from other traditions are doing that too. And we add on top of their work other layers of expectation for them to live up to whatever faith tradition they espouse. And somehow we're escaping that. The only way that we can have those things to share with other people are if we've done the work ourselves to identify them for ourselves. And I think part of doing that work is the bridge that carries us to places where we can love and understand ourselves 
more. And from there, have more compassion and more forgiveness for the people around us. And the deeper we can build that reserve, the more profound our impact can be in the world around us. I don't ever want to suggest that I think we should be perfect. I don't think we're on the planet to be perfect. I think we're, on, on, we're here to be in relationship. At the uh, relational culture workshop yesterday, the Lady Carlson, an organizer for Interfaith, came and gave us, we, we did some exercises to help us get to know each of the people there a little better. And that's part of making a community stronger, is having a deeper understanding of the people that you're in community with. And you don't get that by saying, hey, how you doing? And then walking on, or, oh, uh, um, I don't like this salad. Maybe, maybe, the, maybe even that's better than, hey, how you doing? Unless you really take the time to stop and finish that conversation. One of the things that we did in that group was share an event or a person who had helped shape our lives and make us who we are. I spoke about an experience in the church I grew up in. Um, I tried to find kids when I was a teenager that looked like they needed a place to belong. And I would invite them to church. Well, my choir director... thought that it was inappropriate for kids that might have problems to sing with the choir and hold themselves up as an example for the younger children. I understand his position, but I didn't think that's what church was for. And that was one of the, re- one of the things that set me on a path of investigating more about religion, more about spirit. And on that journey, I discovered people from all sorts of traditions who were superlative individuals. And I knew at that point that I had become a universalist, though I didn't have a word for it. But if we're going to talk about other people and whether they live up to the standards that they profess, we have to be able to hold ourselves to the same sort of standard. There's a parable, uh, an illustrative story from the Christian New Testament that's in both the book of Matthew chapter 7 and the book of Luke chapter 6 that talk about um, the plank in one's own eye 
also called, also translated as the moat or the beam or the log in your own eye, but being not concerned with the things that are obstacles to your own vision, but rather the things, the specks that are in other people's eyes. It's harder to see ourselves, and that's another thing that we can do for each other in community. If we have deeper relationships, we can help each other by being mirrors and having the courage to be honest in loving and respectful ways. I know we do some of this. I'm just trying to encourage us to do it more. We begin to generate peace by self-examination. And the process lasts a lifetime. Not sure where I wanted to go from there. Okay. We like to learn. Many of us read copious amounts of material. So how about if we endeavor to put our own character on our reading list? That way our lives can shine. Our love can grow. And our legacy can be one of great change and great good. Mm 